our next revenue goal is going to hit 50,000 a month. That to me is going to be a big milestone for us. At Founder, we're on a mission to democratize entrepreneurial education and on our way to building one of the largest online schools in the world for entrepreneurs. We interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it so you can too. However, in this series, we're doing things a little differently. We're working with our own students in our community who are deep within the process of building our own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow who've stood where you are and are on the way to building the business of their dreams. Now, before we jump in, our lawyers have told us to tell you this. Of course, we can't guarantee you'll have the results like some of our stories are about to share in this show. And as you know, with any business, it's a lot of hard work in addition to completing any online course. And with that said, welcome to From Zero to Founder. Hey guys, Molly here. I'm Founders Community Manager and welcome back to the series From Zero to Founder. Today I'm sitting down and speaking to Victor Laranja, who is one of our Start Your Side Hustle students. He has a social agency called Social Gravity who helps high ticket customers scale. He's gone from making $100 a month to now 5k a month. It's an incredible story and I'm really excited to speak with him. Hey Victor, welcome to the podcast. Why not start and introduce yourself? Hey, thanks Molly. Appreciate you guys having me. My name is Vic. I'm the founder of Social Gravity. We are a Canadian digital agency. And right now we're making the shift and focusing on helping high ticket sales providers, someone who has a program or a course or a service at a higher ticket, you know, helping those businesses optimize their funnel, optimize their sales process, and just take things to the next level. So I would love to talk to you about how Founder has been so impactful on my entire career so far with Social Gravity uh, and just, you know, talk. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to sit down and talk with you because you have been around for, for a while now. We have spoken in the past before, which I really appreciate you coming back and joining this conversation. So bringing it back, I, I understand you've done so much with Social Gravity, but before this you used to be a music producer, is that correct? Yeah. Um, I actually still am a music producer, but it's more so just because I love it and it's always going to be a part of what I do. But uh, absolutely, I've put out three solo albums on my own under two different projects. I've had so many clients, uh, client projects. I've probably produced over 10 different albums. I still have clients here and there, but in the music space, it's kind of distanced from myself a little bit. Um, but I still love doing it and obviously using audio production tools and skills comes in handy in digital marketing when you're doing video, uh, when you're doing stuff like this, like, you know, having a call like this and just having a really good audio setup. So yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting that you, you bring that up. No, I find it very interesting because like you mentioned, it's kind of crazy that your once full-time job and side hustle, social gravity, it's now reversed in a way where music is now your side hustle or something that you enjoy doing on the side, which I find really, really cool. And the fact you've bought out albums is just incredible as well. Yeah, thank you. It is actually really interesting now that you mentioned it, how it just has completely flipped because when social gravity was my side hustle. Like you said, I was full-time music. I was in the studio you know, 12 hours a day working with different clients, working on my own projects. And then social gravity happened very organically. I just had one of my clients ask me if I could help them with their marketing. And that just kind of 
spun into having more clients, doing more things in the digital marketing space, and then just developing a whole business out of it. And then uh, Daniel DiPiazza helped me take it to the next level, essentially, with his course. Yeah, which is really, really great. And we'll touch more upon how that course impacted your side hustle in general. But that's really interesting, the transition you said, because if your clients were asking about marketing and things that you didn't just transition into, I guess, music management or talent management or things like that, where you can kind of have both passions intertwine, I think it's really cool that you've kind of niched it down to, you know, those high ticket people, like you said. How long was the transition from kind of getting out of, not getting out of, because you're still in it, but moving from music production and just trying to really make social gravity your main, I guess, goal? You know, it was, like I said, it was really organic, but it was really exhilarating in a sense. I've actually recently boiled down my, I want to say purpose. I don't think purpose is the right word for it. More like my overall goal as a, as an entrepreneur. And it's always just been to create almost passive or um, systematic streams of income. So when I got really heavy into music production, my vision of it was, yeah, I'll put out these albums, I'll work with other artists and take royalties on their projects. And those albums will forever pay me. Those royalties will forever pay me. They still do even to this day. Um, so getting into social gravity, you know, a lot of digital marketing t- tasks that you do, especially when you're on a monthly retainer with some clients, that becomes somewhat passive. You don't really have to make those sales over and over and over again. And I really like that about the business model for the most part. So I've realized that recently where, you know, all these businesses that I get into, I'm always trying to go uh, for like a passive approach. And now that I know that, I'm, I'm looking, looking forward and I'm looking for more passive opportunities. That's incredible. And I, I completely relate. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this as well might even be in that similar mindset when they're starting and kind of a little bit confused on their journey. So hearing that, I'm sure will probably aid some clarification. So you mentioned how you started off helping your original clients with their marketing. Are they still some of the clients that you've, you're working with today? So would you mean on the music side or on the marketing side? Um, music and marketing, I suppose. So was it someone that you used to have in the music world that you helped with marketing? Yeah, um, it was actually just a random uh, video project that I picked up because I was just kind of freelancing a lot of different things at the time. I have a background in 3D animation as well. I went to school for animation and I was doing somewhat of a, an intro logo for a YouTube channel just on the side for, from someone that connected with me. And he asked me, you know, what other skills do you have? So I was focusing on growing my Instagram at the time. So I started helping him grow his Instagram. And that's kind of how that started. But in regards to clients and who I still have around, I would say that clients definitely come and go. And Social Gravity is about three years old. And I don't think we have any of the same clients that we've started with on a retainer still. But I definitely have clients that we've worked with in the past that weren't on a retainer that come back on an individual project basis all the time. And also on the music production side, usually with an artist, if, if an artist really likes your work, which in most cases, when I work with an artist, they just fall in love with the product. It's really, really hard for that artist to go and work with another producer. And the reason is because their sound becomes part of their identity as an artist. And when they switch to another producer or another mixing engineer, what happens is that sound gets changed. And a lot of artists really don't like that. So artists have a a tough transition bouncing between uh, producers. So I still have artists, you know, that I've worked with 
years before Social Gravity even started. And I, to this day, I still mix for them. I find that really interesting. And I do completely agree with you that some of my friends are in that music world and they struggle with producers sometimes because they know what they want in their head, but they can't bring it to life. So it's like you have to try and pick and find the right person for you or the right match. And I yes. find that really, really insightful. In terms of stumbling across Founder, how did you, I guess, locate us to begin with? I think I originally found about Founder on Instagram. And you guys had a really big page. I think that uh, it may have been on YouTube as well. You guys were focusing on producing content that had a lot to do with growing on Instagram. And you, I'm pretty sure you guys still are pushing that type of content, which is awesome. And yeah, I, I learned a lot from a lot of those early pieces of content that had a lot to do with Instagram, like light, writing different descriptions um, for, for content, how to build out the content how to write your bio out and all that stuff. And those fundamentals that I learned from you guys, even on a free basis, just from YouTube, I did carry on over into the earlier stages of social gravity when we were doing a lot of Instagram stuff. And then from there, I've been in a few different courses. I've taken Daniel's course. I've taken the copywriting course. And most recently I've taken the Facebook ads course, which was phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I'm just a really big fan. I really like what you guys are doing. It's, uh, it's really cool. I love it. We appreciate the support and the fact that you've come back and back again is just a testament to who you are. You're, you're always wanting to learn, which I think is really, really valuable, especially when you are an entrepreneur and you have your own business and everything like that. It's great to keep learning and um, thank you for the support. We really appreciate it. In terms of Daniel's lessons and his course, what really drew you to this, the Start Your Side Hustle course first? So I've actually followed Daniel for a while too, even when I didn't have social gravity, even just as a music producer, I remember finding Daniel on YouTube and um, one of his videos really helped me through a really tough part in my professional career where I was really stuck on a project and he had this one video and I, if, you, if you ask him or if he sees this, because he's still my mentor, uh, <laughs> he had this one video where he kind of outlined... Tupac and how how prolific Tupac was and how he just in two years he put out all these albums he put out these poetry books he was like unstoppable and at the time I was really stuck on this album that I already like I already had announced that I was gonna make it and I it was like two years in the making it was like weighing on me and I'm the type of person where I have this rule when I start something meaningful, I have to finish it regardless if I want to or not. Because, you know, that's part of like your confidence. That's part of you telling yourself, I can do something and I can finish something. So I'm like two, two and a half years into this album. I'm so creatively lost in it. There's so many different songs that I'm like trying to patch together. And I found that video that Daniel put out and it was about Tupac and it was so inspiring. And I remember for a stretch of like two months, I would watch that video almost every day because it was so inspiring to me. And then, you know, a few months later, I finished that project and I put it out. And that was that uh, journey of finishing that project was one of the most life-changing lessons and experiences I've ever faced because there were so many times where I thought it was done and, you know, I was, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to make it. I wasn't going to be able to finish it. It was such a huge task to completely do an album yourself from start to finish mixing, mastering, writing, performing everything. 
at the, at the standard that I have too, like not just some whatever album, but like, I've really wanted it to be like amazing. And, um, when I finally finished it and I realized that it was done, it was just really emotional and it was really, uh, really incredible. And I, I always think back to that moment. I'll never forget finishing that. So that was how I got introduced to Daniel was through music and how, how much he, he passively, completely passively paid an, played an impact on my life. And ever since that point, like I had him on Instagram and I would watch his content here and there. And then I joined his program and, uh, it was, it was really good. I loved it. It was really impactful on my business. Wow. And I, I feel like for you, that kind of was like a turning point. Correct me if I'm wrong, where it almost like an epiphany where you were like, okay, I really need to focus on, like you mentioned the meaningful things in your life and finding that course and with someone that you connect with so well, especially through music analogies and things like that. Was that like a really big motivator for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, just finding it and, and syncing the, the content at the point in my business where I essentially needed it. I was kind of stuck at a, a certain level with social gravity and that content helped me you know, raise my prices, focus on the systems in my business, focus on how to run the financials properly in my business. And now I'm even circling back to that content and niching down. Like I explained to you, us focusing on the high ticket sales, the process, the, you know, building social proof, helping other clients do what we do really well is sell our high ticket services. That's what we do extremely well. So we want to lean into that and we want to provide that to uh to our clients and i think that's excellent for for now we'll jump back a little bit i would love to hear how the first steps of social gravity really happened did you want to walk me through the process of even picking out the name for your company what you where you wanted to begin it was so organic like it just the opportunity was there i was i was using certain practices to streamline instagram content streamline instagram growth and I, I just was able to find people that needed those services and sell them at a really, really low ticket. So I had my first clients were like $80 a month, which is hilarious when I, I think back on that, because, you know, now we have clients, uh, that are between three and $5,000 a month. And it was just a, a iterative process of putting out a new product or service and then listening to the market and seeing how they responded and then iterating again and then listening and then iterating again and just trying things. And literally we are still doing that process. It's just, you know, gather your market feedback, try it out, take action and then iterate. And that's, that's really how we've progressively gotten to where we are right now. That's great advice. And I feel like for any side hustle, it's great to have word of mouth because you're directly impacting that client's well-being, if you will. And I think what you're doing is really great where, like you said, it's happening organically. Walk me through how you actually proceeded to get more clients. Was it on a word of mouth basis, testimonials, social proof? So at the beginning, definitely more word of mouth because we were really local with everything that we were doing. Not until COVID hit did we really tap into the power of ads because we couldn't have local clients anymore. We had to kind of get creative and pick up, you know, e-commerce clients or lead generation clients for businesses that were able to remain open. So that was when we, we gave ads a shot. 
And that worked really well for us. And that was a great time to try ads because ad costs were really low at that period of time. So we ended up seeing a really good result running ads for ourselves. And then we leaned into running ads for other people. And we've been doing that for a period of time now. And the real reason for our pivot right now and our, our niching down and new focus is I, you know, I think that, that agencies that run ads properly and successfully, it's such a powerful thing. I just personally feel like when you're doing that, you're kind of in the game of, of a commodity where running ads is almost like trading, you know, coffee beans or trading oil. Like it's all generally in the same scope. It's generally in the same range. And I'm not saying that every single agency that runs ads is, is the same, but they're definitely comparing apples to apples when it comes down to it. So you can't really get creative with price. You can't really get creative with the value proposition. I wanted to solve a new problem that I didn't really see other people solving. And that also was one that I felt super, super confident solving. And that's why it came back to how can we help people sell at a high ticket level when it comes to you know, selling that $3,000, $5,000 a month package. How do you go about even doing that? And that's what we're focusing on right now. Hey there, Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. If you're enjoying From Zero to Founder and you want to learn from some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, then I highly recommend you also subscribe and check out the Founder Podcast. We talk to some of the most successful people on the planet to discover how they're building their businesses. So you can take a front row seat as we go deep and we learn from some of the founders of brands like Netflix, Dropbox, Reebok, and so many more, and how they built these companies. You can find the Founder Magazine podcast with Nathan Chan on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe. All right, now let's get back into the show. And I want to touch on COVID because you did mention that. And I feel like that's a theme throughout some of these other podcast interviews that I've done because obviously that was a massive change to everyone's lifestyle, their you know way of life in general. And you were focusing on ads. Is ads something that you were kind of always learning in the background to kind of educate yourself on? Or was it something completely new that you had to dive headfirst in? So we had definitely dabbled in ads for the year following up, but not at the level necessarily that it would require to run successful like e-commerce or Shopify ads, for example. Like that is definitely at a different level than what we were doing in the past. We were kind of throwing ads into a package with, you know, different social media content, some email marketing, um, some video here and there, kind of just a jumbled up package. So it wasn't really our main core focus, but getting, getting, into COVID and seeing, you know, it's very clear that ad costs are low right now. It's a great opportunity. And also seeing that we were not going to get into the, the businesses that we were working in, you know, taking photo, taking video, working hand on hand to hand with the business owner, which we were used to, that wasn't going to happen for the foreseeable future. So I'm definitely not of the mentality of sink. Like I am going to swim. Like, hundred percent of the time. So we had to get creative in the moment and what we did. And I, I remember, I remember uh, one day, like this was a couple weeks into the pandemic lockdown. And I was, I just went for a walk on my own uh, just cause I live right beside a park. 
And I was just kind of thinking, I'm like, okay, if I was Jeff Bezos, what would Jeff Bezos do right now? You know, that was literally my, I know it kind of sounds cheesy, but it's actually what I thought about. Cause I was listening to, I was actually listening to a Tony Robbins podcast and he kind of mentioned like, think like a, think like a billionaire and, and you'll have outstanding ideas. So the idea that I came up with in that moment was why don't we offer a one month free of Facebook ads for a three month commitment. So the only way to get that first month is if you commit to the three months. I did the math and it still made sense. So the, the, co- the cost of the service still made sense for us to eat that first month for our client. And we did that and it just took off. Like we, I picked up like eight clients in the first couple of weeks. Like it was like every day I was closing clients on the phone from Facebook ads. And it was so, it was so easy to close it because I was like, listen, you're on the phone with me right now, aren't you? So clearly they work. <laughs> and uh, so we were closing Facebook ad clients uh, left and right. And that's what we did for a few months. And, you know, it actually turned out to be a really profitable idea. So, you know, it's just being, being able to identify opportunities when things are going wrong. That, that was a big thing in COVID. And if you look around, um, you know, COVID's eaten businesses is so sad, especially in my local area, like the amount of storefronts that are closed or uh, temporarily closed or vacant now, it's like heartbreaking. And uh, I just wish that at those times when, when COVID hit, I wish that people took a more aggressive approach instead of, you know, kind of thinking like, oh, this is my vacation. This is only going to last a little bit. Uh, I'm just going to play video games or watch TikTok or something. Um, I wish people just got more aggressive at that point because that's what really, really saved us, to be completely honest. Thank you so much for sharing. I feel like there was so much great advice in that. Going back to semi the beginning where I was talking about your clients, you mentioned how you started off with about $80 to $100 retainer and now you're somewhere between three to 5K per client. What's the difference between those $80 clients now to those three to 5K clients? It's definitely experience. You know, back then we were just starting and we just really didn't know exactly what we were doing. We had a good general idea, but as in working with the client, getting the results and actually knowing what the results means, that's, that's really what matters. Like now I'll still have people in regards to Facebook ads, for example, say, you know, yeah, we got, uh, you know, 10,000 impressions on this ad. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. The, what matters is how many conversions you have and your return on your ad spend. What's your return on your ROAS? Like that's what matters, right? Your, the impressions or the clicks, they don't matter. So just that, for example, is that's a, that's a, a, a difference in experience where someone's going to see a big number and be like, yes, but you got to focus on the right number instead. So I think that's really what it comes down to. We've tested out so many, so many different skills, so many different practices. And really at the end of the day, um, all we do now is what works. So that's why we can charge more is because we're only doing the things that we know works because we've been in the trenches for three years. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think, yeah, your experience can definitely show and it is shown through the clients that you have today. I know a lot of 
um, people who are looking to start side hustles, and especially in the course this is spoken about in our community group, is how to actually increase prices with those clients without it coming across in not necessarily a negative manner, but something that can stunt your growth. Do you want to talk me through how you went through the process of obviously going, you mentioned experience, but improving those prices? So a really smart thing to do is just to keep track of all of your sales numbers. So it, it, it'd be good for you to have a spreadsheet where you have every sales call kind of mapped out and then you can, you know, take a look at, all right, I have to have over the course of this two or three month spreadsheet, I've done, let's just say 10 sales calls and I've closed two of them. So that means you're closing about 20% of your calls at your current price point. So why don't you now try doubling your price and do that same test and see if your and see if your ratio holds up. Like you can do the math on, you know, you might close 10, a hundred dollar packages, or you can close one $10,000 package, right? And you could have done double the amount of calls to get there, but the math is still 10 times more revenue. So you want to kind of try and figure out the math. I know I didn't explain that in the best, best way, but figure out your math and things will kind of become more clear to you because you, you got to understand that like you can only do so much work. You can only do so many sales calls if that's how, if that's your method of acquiring customers or, or you're going to get overloaded and burned out and it's not going to be good. So you should also understand too, that lower ticket clients typically are more of a headache typically. And it's because on a lower end, they don't necessarily have the budget to invest in a lot of different things. So when they do invest in something and they invest it with you, they are expecting results and a return on their money. And that expectation and kind of stress will make your job harder and not as fun and way, way more work most of the time. Uh, for example, a uh, about a year ago, before COVID hit, you know, we had, we had a lot of different local clients and, and, and semi-local clients. And I remember having one client that uh, was local and they were on a $500 retainer. And then I had one client that was an hour away and they were on a $5,000 retainer. The $500 retainer client would basically hit us up once or twice a week for updates, for uh, improvements for questions for all of these different things, expect so much, really try to scope creep, which is expect work where we didn't agree on it. Just a lot of, a lot of expectations. Whereas the $5,000 retainer client, we did, wouldn't hear from them for months. And when they did, they would be like, Hey, we have an event. It'd be great if you guys can pop by and, you know, film it. Obviously we're still doing the work for them on the back end, but we wouldn't hear from them. Everything for them was, was great. And they were just so much easier to work with so much, so much cheerful, more cheerful to work with. So just realize that, yeah, it might be harder in your mind to close a higher ticket, but it's actually not that much harder. I find that really interesting too, because as you mentioned, and I feel I'm just interrupting myself, but I feel like you mentioned with your lower ticket and also the newer lower price point for you and your retainer. Do you think that's because they're kind of more involved in what they're doing? Whereas the higher ticket, they kind of put more trust in you to kind of just take it and run with it. Yeah. But that trust is, is what is important when you're the professional. 
when when you are being monitored and questioned and you have to explain every move, you can't really have the creative freedom to do your job at the highest level. For from my perspective, if I'm going to hire someone, I'm going to be like this is generally what I want to do, go and do it. If they come to me and they're like, "What do you think, A or B?" I'm going to say, "What what do you think is better?" Right? I hired you to do it. What do you think is better? I trust you with it. Go and kill it, right? That is how I want to be treated too with my clients is, you know, you're hiring us. We're the, we're the professionals. And I've, I've had this conversation with clients where I'm like, I understand where you're coming from, but this is why you hired us. If you didn't need, if you didn't want this perspective and you didn't want this outcome, then you should have just brought it in house and done it yourself because this is what a professional would do. And the way you want to do it is not how a professional is doing it, right? That's not your profession. You run a store, you run this type of business. You're not a marketing professional. So um, that's basically how I'd boil it down is I treat my, the people who I contract that I, I guess I'm, I'm their client. I treat them the way that I want to be treated by my clients. Which is such great insight. And I do agree with that completely. It's in any walk of life. That's how you should kind of operate how long yeah. did it take you to get from the lower ticket to the higher ticket? Was it a year? Was it two years, three years now? It was kind of like a step and then a step and then a big jump. Um, in Daniel's course, he taught me to resell higher packages to clients I already had. And it was that step that took me from my biggest retainer being 1600 to my biggest retainer being 5000 5, and it was, it was the same client I had going here to here. Wow, really, really cool. And um, that kind of brings me on to my next question and working towards wrapping up, I'd love to hear more about Daniel's teachings and how it impacted you. Would you say there was one key strategy or idea that really stuck with you from doing the Start Your Side Hustle course that you're still implementing or was like a turning point for you? So Daniel's, uh, I've taken his course, but he actually is like my one-on-one coach as well. Like we have coaching calls, um, I don't know if he's doing that for many other people. We have a pretty long relationship and I don't know if it was in the course, but the one thing that he taught me that always stuck with me was around making standard operating procedures because I was hiring at one point and I just had someone leave and I had to fill their role pretty quickly. And I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like I have to do all of his work and then I have to hire, I have to hire someone and I have to train them. Like, how am I going to handle this? And Daniel told me, do the work for the, that the person would have to do, but then film yourself doing all that work and then explain what you're doing. And then when you hire, give the new person those videos and tell them to watch the videos and ask them to write out standard operating procedures based on those videos. That was really helpful. I actually did that and worked out super well. So that always stuck with me because I was like, wow, that, uh, that helped. Definitely. And that kind of brings me to my next point. How many people do you have in social gravity at the moment if you're talking about new hires and things like that? So our team has definitely gotten smaller since COVID. When COVID hit, there was five of us in total. Uh, And then, you know, we had to work remote. People started doing kind of their own thing when when COVID was was in. Um, Some of my some of my employees started their own, like one of them started a spring roll making business from his kitchen and just different stuff like that. So at this point in time, it's myself, one other full-time employee. And then I have a handful of contractors that basically fill individual tasks. If the project needs it, that to me is just the best 
formula for our current business model right now. Having employees in an agency model can get almost redundant at times because you have different clients needing different things. So if one person person has a specialty and there might not be that much work for them at that current time, then there's, like I said, there's not much work for them and they're, they're almost better off being a contractor and having different clients. So over time I've learned, you know, employees are cool and it, it's really good to, to, um, employ, but if you're not kind of a storefront or you don't have like these standard, these standard jobs and standard tasks that are always happening, then it might be better to just have one or two employees and then contractors to fill all the rest of the roles. Um, I would love to know more about your, your clients that you work with because they're high ticket clients. They're, they're someone that, you know, are going from three to five K. What would you say is your biggest client at the moment? Are they within that bracket or is there a particular retainer that they've put you on? So, with our whole rebuild, we had clients of all different shapes and sizes. We were, we were clients with e-commerce. We were clients in security, uh, a lot of different clients. Over the past month, I made a really bold decision where I wanted to make sure that we were focusing 100% on our goal. So what I did was I actually asked maybe three or four of our clients to stop working with us because they didn't fit where we were trying to go, specifically in e-commerce. I don't really want to be in the e-commerce space anymore at this point. So what we're focusing on right now is building our high ticket accelerator program, which we've already sold a couple of them, but we're in the process of building it. It's kind of like, I don't know if you know Sam Ovens, kind of like the Sam Ovens style where you know you sell it and then you build it. We're on our, basically our second leg of building it. So we've definitely retracted and we don't have massive clients at the moment because we're trying to focus on building a big package. So I hope that answers your question. No, that's really great. And I think it's kind of bold of you to even go down that path, but you have to stick true with what you know. And working towards wrapping up this call, I would love to kind of know where you're sitting at now. How is your company performing or what are you turning over after, you know, going through COVID and bringing yourself back up? Yeah. So basically, again, we're rebuilding right now. So our revenue numbers in the grand scheme of things aren't impressive as they used to be. And it's because, like I said, we just retracted a lot. And I kind of left a lot of the clients that I felt like we weren't providing our full attention and value. I just, I just needed to trim the fat and focus on what we were best at. And I think that, you know, it was a really hard decision to make because you have the decision of right now, and then you have the decision of later. And a lot of agencies, I feel like pick up clients when they know that they might not be the best option. And I really didn't want to go down that path. And we were getting a lot of opportunities for things, like I said, like e-commerce for just general ads here and there. And I felt honestly, like our best choice of action was to focus on high ticket and, and improving other high ticket businesses. And the reason being is because that again is what we are best at. So we went back to the drawing board and now we're almost on the cusp of exiting the drawing board. And so yeah, I mean, to put it in a nutshell, our performance right now is not a reflection of our performance as a business, and it's honestly on purpose. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, you need to put your morals first 
and only provide what you think is of the highest absolute value. And if you're doing anything less than that, then you're not doing, you're not doing your job. And in order to survive as an entrepreneur, you have to think of value first. And that's really what it came down to. I had to ask myself, are these clients that we have, I mean, this handful of clients where I felt like we were really scattered, unfocused, are these clients getting the most out of us? And the answer at the end of the day was, no, they're not. And it's because we were so scattered because COVID made us scatter. And I don't want to blame COVID 100%, but it did. It made us scatter. It made us look around and pick up whatever clients we wanted to. And I, I really just was done doing that. So um, I think that right now we are not doing the numbers that we will be doing in the next few months. And, and literally it comes down to the building process and it comes down to, to focusing on the value that you can actually provide and know you can provide the best. And that's really what we're focusing on the most. And that makes complete sense. And like you mentioned, you don't want to blame COVID, but it is a big shift and it is, you know, a change and you're changing your ways and what you might have thought where you're at right now isn't necessarily where you want to be. But I would love to hear, what is your projected revenue target? You mentioned that you want to grow in the next couple of months. What's that big goal for you? So our, our next revenue goal is going to hit 50000 a month. That to me is going to be a big milestone for us. It took us a while to cross 25. And once we crossed 25,000 a month, I knew that I knew that things had definitely developed. And you know, there's a lot of fluctuation in agency because you you gain clients, you lose clients, you gain clients, you lose clients. And this month and last month have been one of our more suffering months to be completely transparent. But again, it comes down to the rebuild, right? And I just know that we are going to blast past 50,000 once our high ticket program is where, where it needs to be. And uh, that's, really what, that's really what it comes down to is just focusing on the value and making it as strong as we possibly can. So those numbers in the future are just much higher than we, we would have ever hit if we stayed in a more general position. Thanks so much for that transparency because I feel like a lot of people listening to this might you know, be in a situation where they might need to draw back or, or change their goals. So having that transparency with us on this podcast, I think is really, really great. And I'm very excited to hear more about that because if we get there or if you get there, we can talk again and just keep going and going and just seeing your success, which I think is really, really interesting. And my last question would be, if anyone listening to this was in a situation where they wanted to start their side hustle and really focus on something they're passionate about, what would you tell them? Follow the skill that you have right now and just keep doing things because I started editing video when I was a kid and that led me to producing music and that led me to starting social media marketing and then building it into a a much bigger business. And it was only because I just kept taking action and taking action that I would figure out what skill worked well and which skill people would pay for so if you just take action and then iterate, that's, that's really all you have to focus on. Don't really focus on if this is the right thing. The moment that you ask yourself, if this, is this the right thing? I mean, you are asking a question that doesn't really need to be even asked. The only right thing is taking action. And um, there's a quote in The Richest Man of Babylon, which is a fantastic book. And it is that Lady, Lakshin, Lady Luck favors men of action. And what they mean by that is, if you wonder why people are lucky, it's because they just did things and then they didn't stop doing them. I really, really 
appreciate that insight because I will definitely be taking that with me as well. But before we end this call, is there anything else that you would like to quickly share with anyone listening? So if you have a sales funnel, whether it's like a webinar or it's in like an audit or it's any way to generate leads and you have a high ticket product, the, the problem is that you never know where people are falling out of your funnel. It's a huge problem. And I experience, I've experienced it with my own funnels, my own webinars, free training and everything like that. And I would always try to find people to go through my funnel and then give me feedback. I would always try to find it. And I would actually have some people go through my funnel and then provide me a little bit of feedback, but it was never calculated. It never really did anything. I, I can never find where the leaks were in my funnels. And that's why what we're doing moving forward is we're actually offering a pretty low ticket service. It's a hundred bucks Canadian. And we go through your funnel like in detail and then provide you a report card on your high ticket funnel in order to help you identify where people are falling off. So if that's of any interest, jump over to socialgravity.ca and you can check it out. It's uh, basically called audit my funnel and it's what we're starting to get into right now because again, our new program means so much to us. We're going all in on this and it comes down to finding the needs in the market. So we want to be in people's funnels, finding out where things are going wrong, whether it's in the funnel or in the sales process or in the product or what is going on. And we want to provide the best solution possible for you guys. That sounds incredible. I'll definitely have to, to keep talking with you and see how it goes and check it all out. But thank you again, Victor, for sitting down, speaking with me and sharing your story with everyone listening. And I really wish nothing but the best for you. And I'm excited to see what Social Gravity will do. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey guys, we hope you're loving From Zero to Founder and you're getting a ton of value from it. If you want access to the exact free training that led today's founder to where they are now, head to founder.com slash side hustle training or follow the link in the show notes.